Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Another But Sports with Ken Sterling. Our guest today the great Paul Corsaro, the uh, new basketball coach at the University of Indianapolis. How you doing, Paul? Good. Thanks for having me on the show today. You're welcome. Uh, these are interesting times for a lot of reasons. Um, as uh, the head coach of a basketball program in Indianapolis where some riots are going on and weird societal times are kind of happening, how do you deal with that with your players? That's kind of uncharted territory for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uncharted, uh, I think, for probably uh, many coaches, but especially a first-year head coach who just got the job, uh, you, know, you know, a month and a half ago. I, um, you know, it's funny that you asked that because we had a – I guess it's Monday and it's about 3 o'clock right now, but we had a, a team meeting scheduled last night on Zoom um, at – would have been uh, 7.30 last night. And we had a lot of housekeeping items to go over, some summer workout stuff, just – talk about some summer classes, you know, when to expect to get to campus. Um, I'm doing all these things like where I'm trying to connect the past with the present. I had a former player that played professionally from UND talk to our guys. So a lot of good things on the meeting, but timing was perfect to where, you know, there's a, a big issue um, at hand that I felt compelled to, you know, have a conversation with our guys about as we close the meeting. I wanted to save that to the end. Um, uh, you know, my messaging to our players was, you know, first and foremost, I told them that, you know, for a lot of them, I don't know what they're going through because we all come from different walks of life. Uh, and I told them that, you know, from my stance, obviously there's some sickening, disgusting, unacceptable things in our world that happened um, over the course of the last week. And that um, it showed that our world's far from perfect and we have a long way to go. And I told them I don't have the answers. I don't know how each and every one of them feel individually. Um, and I, told, I talked to everybody on our entire team, our staff, everybody was on the call. I said, so I want you to let you know what I do know, though. What I can promise you, though, is that you have my support. I love you guys. I'm here for if anyone you want to talk to about this. I, I, I have an open ear. If you guys want to have a more in-depth conversation about this as a team, let me know, and I, I will set something up. If you guys, like I said, if there's anything I can do to support you guys in, in a way that I can help, let me know. And that we're a family, that everyone on the screen, on our Zoom call, every student athlete, every coach, we have to have each other's back at all times and be there for one another. And we need to do our job in terms of acting with class and character at all times. And that's going to be our part in terms of making the world a better place. And I, I said that. And then what I did was uh, I opened it up for other people to comment. A few members of my staff did. A few of the players spoke up too. 
And I think everybody said what they need to say. It was healthy. And the way I left it was if we want to continue this at another time, you know, it's my job to foster an environment to uh, help these guys grow as young men and, and, and foster a safe environment. So that's how I ended it. Like, let me know if we need to do something further with this. And we agreed that as a program, we would make everybody's making their, their, their social media uh, comments and stuff. And I think that's great taking a stand. So what we decided to do was on behalf of our players and coaches, make a, make a statement from our men's basketball account on behalf of our entire program. It's important that kids understand the ramifications of social media. And times when there, uh, you know, there are some raw feelings about a whole lot of stuff. Oh yeah. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to talk about it because helping them emotionally and just letting them know that hey, our, our, our program, our family, we call ourselves our program a family, um, it, it is, we can talk about anything amongst each other. And it's important to be able to have tough, uncomfortable conversations because it's an uncomfortable topic and, it's, and it's, a, it's a disturbing time. And we also thought because of those ramifications that you discussed that it'd be good that we post something as a unit, standing united together on something, and if people wanted to retweet that with a comment and use that to piggyback off of for their own comments, that will probably be the healthiest, uh, safest bet for everybody. With coronavirus, that changes, the obviously, the evaluation process, the recruiting process. How are you going about your process in, in going out and putting together a team? It's, it's definitely different, you know, and we, we were left in a situation where, um, you know, we had a pretty small roster. We graduated a lot. Um, you know, and then with the coaching change, there's, uh, there's the, you know, people transfer and, you know, we had some guys transfer. So our roster wasn't, gr uh, really big in terms of numbers. Now the pieces that were left were, I mean, I'm really excited about there's some really good players. So, uh, definitely have some really, really good guys returning, but in terms of numbers, we needed a lot of, a lot of guys to fill out a roster. So the beautiful thing about my situation was, you know, I've lived University of Indianapolis as a student athlete and an assistant coach. So what better to sell the university than someone who really knows it? And so I didn't have to spend too much time learning about the educational piece, the campus or the basketball program. So I could really just target guys that I knew were out there and start telling tell them about it, telling them our story. And, um, you know, obviously I was at Purdue Fort Wayne. So I was uh, well aware of a lot of the prospects out there because I was heavily involved in the recruiting there. So uh, finding guys really wasn't the issue. It was managing the, the current state of things over Zooms, over phone calls, how to get creative. You know, you, you mentioned your your time in Fort Wayne. You succeeded Ben Botts, who who moved down to, yeah. to Ball State. He also a 2007 high school graduate and part of that kind of weird class of 2007 in terms of basketball because so many of you guys have become coaches. It, have you ever thought about why that is? I mean, you got Zach Hahn and John Ashworth, Ben Box, you, Nate Blank, who's got University of Indianapolis tether. Also. Nate Blank's my boy. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody pulled more guys into drawn charges uh, than Nate. Did, uh, he, he was a, a miracle guy where it came to baiting people into fouls. No, no, no friends ever gotten as many fights in practice as me and Nate Blank either because we were so physical, but we're always friends after. But it's, it's a, uh, it was a unique class where there seems to be a lot of basketball leadership coming from that class. Is, is there any kind of tether or reason why that is? Yeah. I think that was such a deep class, yeah. you know, and I, 
I think there maybe have been other, there's always been, you know, the, the Greg Gold and Mike Conley class and, you know, you had the class with, you know, Zeller and Yogi Ferrell, those guys in terms of top talent, you can argue there's been some classes that maybe the top five guys were better than the other class, top five guys, but you talk about totality and depth. I'd make the argument that that class might have been the deepest class in the history of Indiana basketball in yeah. terms of uh, guys going on to play pro guys that were good college players at D1, D2, just, I mean, and there were just some tough kids and they weren't always the, the prettiest, sexiest players, but they were, it was composed of a bunch of winners, just tough kids that competed. And that was also when the, the top AAU, there was kind of a change in AAU uh, maybe a couple years after we were done to where like there were, there were so many programs uh, became, there wasn't as many AAU programs. um, I would say when we were playing, there was, you know, you know, three or four elite programs as opposed to six or seven. So those top teams were really loaded. So when you really got in those in-state battles, there were some heated games. And you remember being in the stands watching, watching some of those and they were always real competitive, but it was a unique, unique combination of competitive guys that got the most out of their ability that just cared about winning. But, if you look at it too, the, the nice thing is now is like, I'm friends with a lot of those guys, you know, and, and maybe not guys I talk to all the time, but that what I, what I found is that they're all, all really classy guys too. They stood for the right things. And it, it was, I think it was rare to find that in one class. And, you know, I like to think that that definitely translates to coaching. You were exceptionally competitive as a grade school kid, high school kid, college kid. Can, can you teach people how to be competitive or is that just something that you were born with and you expect to find other people are born with? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think some people are born with it, but I think, you know, it's my job to teach that. And I, I, I also don't think, I also don't think you're just naturally born with it. I think kids that maybe say like, Oh, they were born with that. Well, that was probably taught to them by their parents at a young age too. I think that how you, how you were raised is a big effect in that. So you know, kind of being a father figure. I'm not really old enough to be a father figure. I can be a big brother to a lot of these guys right now, maybe a father figure one day, but, uh, you know, that big brother figure and yeah, you can teach that, um, but by, by fostering that environment and your job, my job has always been to, you know, lead by example. And if they see me like that, that needs to be infectious amongst them. So yeah, I would say when you say someone's born with it, it means it was just instilled in them in a young age. So I can think you can instill it in an older age as well. But it does take a certain level of self-motivation to be able to talk that too. So it, I think it's a combination of the both. Being 31, does that give you an advantage over older coaches in terms of recruiting and in terms of connecting with these kids? You know, I'd say there's, 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 there's advantages and disadvantages to it. You know, the disadvantages, you know, um, a guy who's recruited against me could say, you know, he's never won a game before as a head coach. And that's true. I've never been a head coach before. There is a level of inexperience about that, that in that, but the advantage in that is that I got a lot of energy. Um, you know, I think kids like the idea of the coach that I, I tell the guys, like, I'm going to be the guy that, you know, I think I still got it. I'll play him one-on-one after practice. And uh, you know, so I'm going to be that guy that's going to roll up my sleeves. And I think that does um, excite some of the guys, the youthfulness, the energy that I might, um, might provide and might, Trump in certain aspects, you know, um, the, the lack of experience of actually calling a timeout in the sideline. And you know what? After a couple of years, all that's going to go away, and I'm still going to be on the underside of things. Are you going to show them the videotape of the overtime period in the Ron Colley Cathedral game from 2007? 
If I can get it, I, uh, they, uh, I, someone showed me a clip of that a couple of years ago and man, it made me feel old because how, how, how bad the film quality was just 10 years ago. You can, you know, you watch HD games now. I'm like, man, was it that hard to watch film back then? Like, so I don't know. It was a, that was a fun game though. Yeah, it sure was for you. You had a hell of a time. So what are you doing now as far as recruiting? Is it all done by Zoom? Are you hoping to get out and seeing some people as maybe workouts begin, that kind of thing? Yeah, so it's been mostly phone calls, Zooms, texting right now. Um, we're still um, not allowed per NCAA rules to really be out. When that happens, um, definitely going to be going to be out uh, recruiting. That's that, that's that's really important. Um, and, and you know what? I'm pretty close to wrapping up this recruiting class. The first thing I can do when I get out is I need to get in the homes and have face-to-face -face interaction of the parents on my, of my current student-athletes on my roster. I need to focus on my guys right now. And uh, having a good year and building that foundation, that culture near one will take care of recruiting down the road. So that's kind of my next focus. Is, is it key for you to get, go get kids like Jimmy King, Jimmy King, a fellow Ron Conley guy, who, who maybe was a little bit too slight to be taken as, as a D1 guy, but a really good competitive basketball player. So are there kids who kind of fall through the cracks but play at a really high level that you can go get and go win a, a D2 national championship? You know, I think it is important, especially in our backyard in central India. I'll give you an example. When I was an assistant, um, I thought we had three years in a row that are prime examples of you know, what we need to do. It started with Jimmy King and, you know, you got to get the one guy. Jimmy had some division one offers and there were some, I'm not going to say the names. There were some schools that, you know, were winning 10, 12 games and some of them were, weren't in Indiana. And I'd known Jimmy since uh, he was a little kid because our sisters grew up playing volleyball together. I'd known Jimmy since he was five. And uh, I just told him, I said, Hey, look, you can, you can go off to some various places and go 500 or, or less or you can come here and win 20, 25 games, maybe win a national title, but probably have a chance to, you know, be player of the year and I, in the league. And he was second this year as a senior, so that almost came true. Uh, he was two-time first-team all-conference and said, hey, or you can come here and do something really special, and you're still going to have the overseas opportunities. You just signed with a really good agency, same agency that has Max Landis, another good Central Indiana kid. So Jimmy's going to get that opportunity. So that was number one. You know, we, we, we targeted Central Indiana guys that – had the opportunity to go to Division One, and then chose to come play the top D2 and compete for the whole thing. And, you know, then the next year we got Tate Hall, who had two Division One offers and came here and was freshman of the year as a, a, a freshman of the year in our league, which is incredibly tough to do, was first team all league as a sophomore, which never happens. And then Tate, after that, decided, aside from winning a national title, which we hadn't done yet, that he had done everything he could else could possibly do and decided to transfer up. And that was right after Loyola had been in the final four. Now he's at Loyola where Ryan played and Tate was either their first or second leading scorer this year. So that was another example. We got two great years out of Tate and he had division one offers. And then the next year, Trevor Lakes, Trevor Lakes had two division one offers from Lebanon. And we decided to take, we convinced him to come and Trevor was great. Gage university in his three years. And uh, he just signed with Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska. So um, those are, you brought up Jimmy King. We went boom, 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 three years in a row of, you know, guys that were from our backyard that wanted to stay home, build something special locally. And that's kind of what we intend to keep doing as we, as we move forward. Perfect. Thanks for taking the time, Paul. I really appreciate it. Best of luck at, at UND. I know you're going to do a great job. Well, thanks a lot for having me. It's good to see you and, and uh, be safe and be well. My pleasure.